So environmentalists are back at it again, and now they're perhaps even proposing to up the price of airplane tickets in an attempt to supposedly save the lovely virgin planet. Now this just is baked with many, many incredibly low resolution arguments. And I think Jordan Peterson provides an interesting piece of commentary in regards to the World Economic Forum, whom supposedly, and it seems very evident now, have huge influence in regards to policies that are implemented within each nation state. It turns out, environmentalists, that I'm not the biggest fan of removal of ultra-cost-effective fossil fuels on which power 80% of the global energy supply in transition towards intermittent, unversatile, incredibly costly solar and wind energy, which requires, by the way, a parallel energy system in which is powered by fossil fuels in order to enable some reliability, in consideration of the fact that one cannot store solar and wind energy for longer than about a minute. Turns out that I think ultra-cost-effective and efficient fossil fuels in which power 80% of the globe and loss of it have really enabled in incredible improvements within the standard of living. I'm not the biggest fan of removal of this. And this is what this really gets to at the heart, and we're going to explain as to why I believe ultra-cost-effective and efficient fossil fuels are fundamental not solely for human flourishing, but to actually fix the issues in relation to climate. So let's just read this and then get to Jordan Peterson's comments, in which I can later explain my thoughts on the absurdity of net zero and what this is going to do to our planet. So net zero, according to the Telegraph, is going to raise the cost of flights, warns airlines. Ticket prices for flights are going to increase in the coming years as the aviation industry adopts expensive technologies aimed at tackling climate change, according to new reports. And the groups of the sector's biggest companies have warned that growth in demand for flying will slow as airlines, airports, and manufacturers battle to meet their commitments to net zero by 2050. What a surprise. Sustainable Aviation Group acknowledged in its net zero carbon roadmap that the increased cost of decarbonization of aviation is going to inevitably reduce passenger demand. And it calculated that they need to reduce emissions by 2050. And this is going to come by lower demand in consideration of the higher increase within their prices. They stated here, Matt Gorman, the sustainable chief aviation officer, for Heathrow, mentioned that there is going to be a green premium for those wishing to fly in the future. And he added that this is the critical decade where aviation must prove to decarbonize. And sustainable aviation reports have highlighted the UK's role as the leader in the transition to net zero, pointing to the world's first net zero transatlantic flight due to take off later this year from London to New York using solely sustainable aviation fuel. And of course, more expenses come with this hypothetical net zero plan in which not solely will fail to fix the climate, but too, as I shall argue later, is going to cost billions and billions of dollars and thus will push billions of people over towards the point of poverty. And of course, they're calling for subsidies already. Where are we going to get this money from? We're just going to print it out of thin air. They're calling for subsidies to help secure private investment. Jordan Peterson responded in a fairly comical manner. And I do like his tweets. I think they're just hilarious. and They hit the nail right on their head. Peasants should stay at home, right, World Economic Forum? In their 15-minute prisons, he stated. Right, World Economic Forum. He responded to the tweet in reference to Telegraph, in which it seems to be their conspicuous plan to rise energy prices in order to hypothetically save the environment, and which, as I shall argue, is not solely going to fail to save the environment, but too, shall push billions of people over towards the point of poverty if we follow these plans in reference to net zero. So let's start with the hypothetical climate emergency, which I think is incredibly misunderstood within today's age. Now, there could be a case in which, you know, if we did have a true climate emergency in which the world was going to end next year, perhaps there was a there is a case to be made in which we should stay at home. And according to Jordan Speedson's kind of logic, at least, this is where the net zero terminology and conspicuous plans rise the price of aircrafts 
and, 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 and tickets is, is basically leading. But there is not. And take a deep breath, people, environmentalists, I know you're going to be very upset. But just as in the 70s and 80s, in which we had catastrophization by the media, the same is true today. Now, it gets even worse than this, because not solely in the 70s and 80s did we have, have catastrophization, but we had catastrophization for global cooling. Yes, you heard me right, not global warming. We had global cooling. The knowledge system was in advocation of global cooling, and as you can see from the reports, the Guardian in 74 space satellites show a new ice age is coming fast. Newsweek 75, the cooling world. Climatologists are pessimistic for political leaders and their failure to take any positive action to compensate for climate change or even to ally its effects. New York Times in 78, the international team of specialists finds no end in sight to the 30-year cooling trend in the Northern Hemisphere. So in consideration of not just the marginally wrong knowledge system or mainstream media narrative in reference to climate change, but the 180 degree wrong narrative in reference to climate change, perhaps we should have some valid, reasonable skepticism in regards to the mainstream narrative and what we're told about fossil fuels and climate change overall. Now, you thought it couldn't get any worse. Well, the people, the designated experts, the people whom are propped up by the mainstream media, includes that of Paul Ehrlich and Al Gore. And these are individuals who today are responsible for the environmentalist movement. They are literally the two key figureheads. It turns out that these key figureheads do not actually have the best track record. And Al Gore, for example, was a hideous, idiot person who was proposed and reported back in the 70s that, you know, by the year 2000, everything's going to be gone. He stated, he's mentioned basically countless times uh, terrible arguments and predictions in reference to climate change, which not once again, not turned out just to be slightly wrong, but 180 degrees wrong. He stated in 09, for example, that everything was going to, to, to melt by kind of 2015, etc., so on and so forth. Perhaps even worse is Paul Ehrlich, if I pronounce that correctly, who was the advocate for the population bomb. And this was a theory in which he proposed back in the 70s, uh, in regards to his future predictions for the year 2000, in which he stated that we have too many people on the planet. He was basically conspicuously advocating for the halting of people on the planet in order to save us from the environmental supposed catastrophe, uh, plus the supposed challenges in which are going to come with more people. Fundamentally, these two people are anti-humanistic. They're anti-humanistic within their philosophy upon uh, society and upon life. And they have been not just marginally wrong, but 180 degrees wrong in reference to the climate debate within the past and their predictions are countless, countless times. This is not just one-off, this is countless times in regards to their failure to predict uh, successfully as to what is going to happen within the climate change. They were totally and utterly wrong. However, would you trust an investment manager who has a 50-year red track record? Of course not. Well, why are you still trusting these people? Al Gore, Paul, these people at the front, they're, they're really at the front today of the environmentalist movement, despite their hideous track record of the past. That should really, you know, rise some red flags, if you ask me. Let me tell you a statistic. Since the early 1900s, there has been a 98% reduction within climate-related deaths in consideration of the fact that we've used an unprecedented amount of fossil fuels. This doesn't add up. Surely if the mainstream narrative in reference to the dangers of fossil fuels was correct, then we would see uh, many, many deaths in reference to climate change. But instead, the opposite is actually occurring. In consideration of our usage of fossil fuels, the exponential usage of ultra-cost-effective fossil fuel energy, which powers the machines and thus makes us more productive as a society, we have actually had a 98% reduction within climate-related deaths.
So, in regards to fossil fuels, why are we seeing a massive 98% reduction within climate-related deaths, despite the fact that we're utilizing more ultra-cost-effective and efficient fossil fuels? And we're going to explain that uh, within one moment. What if I told you that everything you know and have been told about fossil fuels is wrong? What if I told you that instead of transitioning towards intermittent solar and wind, and which is unstorable, it's lacking versatility, and thus requires a parallel energy system which comes within the form of fossil fuels in order to enable some sort of reliability for the grid. Instead of doing this, this intermittent solar and wind energy, we should actually be utilizing more fossil fuel energy. What if I told you that fossil fuels not solely clean up the environment, they don't solely clean up air quality, and two, water quality, but two, they make us safer from the environment, thanks to environmental and climate mastery in consideration of the ultra-cost effectiveness of fossil fuels in which powers the machines and thus makes us more productive as a society. What if I told you that the world is safer, that we have a better environment in consideration of the usage of fossil fuels? Would you believe me? Probably not. And I didn't believe myself when I first formulated this thesis and started reading about this thesis, but it's true. So what is net zero? Net zero is to plan to cut greenhouse gas emissions to zero. In other words, to cut all fossil fuel usage and hypothetically transition us towards renewable forms of solar and wind. Now, if I were to translate this out of basically language towards simple English, this is fundamentally the plan to eliminate fossil fuels in which power 80% of the world's energy and thus conspicuously push the price of energy up in consideration of the fallacy of solar and wind energy. That is to plan, and perhaps, I don't like being conspiratorial, I think it's more like death by a thousand cuts and just utter ignorance and virtue signaling. Um, I don't like being too conspiratorial, but I do believe this is a plan, unknowingly so perhaps, to push the price of energy through the bloody roof in consideration of the fact that solar and wind is just, it's just not even comparable in consideration of the ultra-cost effectiveness and efficiency of fossil fuels. Solar and wind is unversatile. It lacks storage capacity, and we'll get to that later on. It too requires a parallel energy system which comes within the form of lovely ultra-cost-effective fossil fuels, thus boosting the price of solar and wind through the bloody roof. So why actually is energy fundamental for a flourishing society? Because you need to understand this in order to, to kind of recap and, and acknowledge the argument pushed forward by Jordan Peterson and I. Energy is fundamental for a flourishing society. As we can see throughout most of human history, stagnation occurred from a productivity standpoint, and this is because humans were confined by their physical limitations in regards to the ability to exert power and thus be productive. This is why throughout the majority of human history, we have seen mass stagnation and limited productivity. This was basically a vicious cycle. It was called the cycle of under-empowerment, in which, in consideration of the lack of productivity, this led towards low life expectancy and low income. But in consideration of this low life expectancy and low income, this led towards the cycle to continuing and therefore no innovation. But machines allowed us as sapiens to break free from the failure, the failed limitations, the poor limitations and the bottlenecks of our physical capabilities. This therefore resulted within amplification and extension of productivity. Amplification within the sense we can create, for example, incubators for young babies, and extension within the sense we can extend our productivity via attractant, which is a thousand x more productive than a human. This is why thousands of years ago, thanks to machinery, we have seen a rapid increase within incomes, life expectancy, and population. We have seen a world in which is one million times better than any other prior state, and this is thanks to machines, which I should we shall get to, are powered by the ultra-cost effectiveness of fossil fuels. It turns out, environmental work moralists, that ultra-cost-effective fossil fuels, ultra-efficient, low-cost, on-demand, versatile, global-scale energy is fundamental for society. And whilst the knowledge system of today is very quick to kind of point towards the, you know, improvements within vaccination and, and, and antibiotics in order to kind of push forward the thesis and the truth, 
that we have had unprecedented improvements within kind of uh, the reduction of um, disease and illness in consideration of the improvements with the medicalization, specifically in relation to um, vaccinations and antibiotics. They're, they're very quick to push that narrative forward. But what they fail to do is when it comes to what's cost-effective and efficient energy, namely fossil fuels, the knowledge system of today has failed to explain the unprecedented improvements within life expectancy, um, income growth and population, in which is thanks to fossil fuels. So all of the thesis, it, it's remarkable. If you look at studies in relation to uh, come the college students, uh, literally a study was done recently in which 12% of college students thought that the world was getting better in terms of uh, alleviation of people out of poverty. And it, 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 it actually instead around, you know, pretty much 80% of the people who were surveyed within this study noted that they believed that the world is getting worse in terms of more people dropping into poverty. This is a total illusion, it's a total fallacy. The point that I'm making is that the knowledge system, the mainstream media today, is failing to recognize the improvements within our life standards, the improvements within the world, uh, in which is powered by the ultra-cost effectiveness of fossil fuels. It's just, it's beyond comical. It really is. It turns out that the livability of the planet is not solely dependent upon ultra-cost effective energy, namely fossil fuels, but it is fundamental. The livability and the flourishing of the planet is fundamental, uh, fundamentally reliant upon ultra-cost effective fossil fuels. Today's narrative is that fossil fuels are destroying the delicate planet. If this were true, then the chart of fossil fuel usage, life expectancy and income and population would be a very sad story. But instead, when we actually look at the statistics, we can see that these metrics are going up within a surreal hockey stick, which correlates with fossil fuel usage, including the CO2 emissions, which are supposedly destroying our world. As you can see from the charts here, the charts here show that the hydrocarbons and human flourishing hockey sticks illustrate the incredible increase within the world's livability correlating directly with the rapid increase within CO2 emissions. Thus, rising CO2 emissions directly correlate with the world becoming a far more livable place across the board, including the climate becoming more livable. You can see here increased utilization of fossil fuels and the increased output of CO2 emissions improves and has improved life expectancy. It has improved population. It has improved GDP per capita. This is because ultra-cost-effective and efficient energy is fundamental when it comes to the productivity and the basis of our society. We actually need more fossil fuels, not less. There are three major benefits in relation to the benefits of continuing fossil fuel usage. Firstly, cost-effective energy is, is, is essential to an abundant and safe world. Secondly, cost-effective energy is desperately needed by billions of more people. And thirdly, fossil fuels are uniquely able to provide cost-effective energy. Just to kind of explain those in a very brief manner before we get to why I believe fossil fuels uh, not solely allow for human flourishing, but to enable mastery and power over the environment and the climate. Firstly, in reference to cost-effective energy being essential to an abundant and safe world, cost-effective, affordable, reliable, versatile, scalable energy enables us to utilize machines to become more productive enough to transform our naturally deficient and dangerous world into an abundant and safe world. Secondly, cost-effective energy being desperately needed by billions of more people. Billions lack the cost-effective energy they need to live the lives of abundance and safety. Three billion use less electricity than a typical American refrigerator. And most of these people use wood or dung, in which is incredibly dirty for heating and cooking. And thirdly, fossil fuels are uniquely able to provide cost-effective energy. Fossil fuels today provide 80% of the world's energy and is still growing despite the huge hostility because no other source can match their combination of affordability, reliability, versatility, and scalability. So many have argued within recent times that the usage of fossil fuels has led towards a worse climate. It led towards, uh, you know, more climate-related deaths. It led towards uh, worse water quality, so on and so forth. This is entirely untrue, by the way. 
Thanks to ultra-cost-effective energy, in which comes within the form of fossil fuels, and which powers the machines and thus makes us more productive as a society, this has led towards what I call environmental and climate mastery. There has been a 95% reduction within climate-related deaths since the start of the 1900s, and this is due to an improvement within the capabilities of protecting ourselves from the, from the environment. The question really is as to how have we improved our protection from the climate at such a drastic scale. In large part, via the comical usage of fossil-fueled machine labour, we use fossil-fueled machines to construct sturdy buildings. We use fossil-fueled machines to produce warmth when cold, and fossil-fueled cooling machines to produce cool air when hot. In other words, thanks to the ultra-cost-effectiveness of fossil-fuel energy, this powers the machines to produce unprecedented protection from the climate. And many have also pushed forward the idea that fossil fuels have led towards worse water and air quality. Once again, untrue. Boston Knowledge System has warned us that the pollution side effects of fossil fuels is going to make the water worse and worse. In fact, water quality has gotten far better around the world, in part thanks to large fossil fuels. Whilst fossil fuels certainly can contaminate water, human ingenuity makes us better and better at producing more fossil-fueled energy with less pollution. Therefore, the predictions that the water pollution problems for fossil fuels will be worse and worse were just wrong. That said, the most significant way in which fossil fuels have contributed towards improvements within water quality is not just solely the decline within their own water pollution, but rather the use within producing unprecedented amounts of clean water around the world. Thanks to the usage of fossil fueled machine labour, this has enabled, within the case of water quality, the capabilities for filtration and purification systems to move water from where it is to where it needs to be. Once again, as within the case of water, the designated experts have catastrophized fossil fuel side effects by wildly overstating the negative side effects themselves and ignoring the fossil fuels' environmental mastery benefits. Now in regards to air quality, which Alex Epstein within his book Fossil Future noted, the EPA and their six measurements of air quality, in which all have improved since the introduction of fossil fuels. In other words, we can see as fossil fuel usage goes up, they go down. What has happened here? Ingenious human beings have found out ways to produce more fossil fuels with less pollution, that is, to reduce the side effects of fossil fuels through environmental mastery. We know that there are places such as China which have high levels of smog, but the past track record of the rest of the world indicates that this can be corrected and appropriate whilst using an ever-increasing amount of fossil fuels. And another point in reference to fossil fuels cleaning up the air quality and making the air quality better is in relation to the transition away from dirty forms of energy, namely dung and wood. It turns out the poorest people within our society utilise dirty forms of energy, namely dung and wood. The reason as to why is because this is the only energy in which they can get their hands upon. This is incredibly dirty, by the way. And thus, the transition away from dirty forms of energy, such as dung and wood, towards fossil fuels uh, is, is a far cleaner transition in comparison to sole utilisation of dung and wood. So the comical thing about the environmentalist movement is in consideration of their plan, to, it seems, conspicuously push the price of energy through the roof. This will impoverish billions of people and thus will make them utilise dirty forms of energy within the case of dung and wood, in which therefore shall uh, cause hideous, hideous situations um, for the environment in consideration of the dirtiness of these forms of energy. To put this really within one sentence, it's very clear. Thanks to the ultra-cost-effectiveness of fossil fuels in which power the machines and thus make us more productive as a society, this has given us the ability to master the environment and the climate, and thus any negative aspects of fossil fuels have been overwhelmed or neutralised by the positive aspects of fossil fuels. The cost of electrification 
as proposed by these net zero plans in which we're starting to see creep in, this is going to push billions of people over towards the point of poverty. And it's just, it's, it's beyond ridiculous. It turns out that intermittent solar and wind is insufficient when it comes to replacing the capabilities of ultra-cost-effective fossil fuels. We need massive innovation when it comes to solar and wind energy, which is intermittent, it can't be stored, it lacks versatility, and thus requires a parallel energy system in order to make up for the hideous unreliability in reference to solar and wind. And those parallel energy systems come comically within the form of fossil fuels. This, therefore, results within massive costs. Just look at Beyond Longbug's research. The US today's battery is able to supply just 3 minutes and 24 seconds of average electricity consumption, and about 10 minutes in 2030. So environmentalists, your plans of radical net zero are literally going to push billions of people over towards the point of poverty in consideration of the mass energy prices. So this is the final sentence. These plans for net zero, in which to limit fossil fuel usage and transition us towards intermittent solar and wind, which is incredibly expensive and lacks versatility, lacks reliability, it lacks affordability. It lacks transportability in consideration of these lacking features in which present within ultra-cost-effective fossil fuels. This is going to push billions of people over towards poverty. And two, comically enough, shall fail to fix the climate. Well done, environmentalists. You win. Good job.